We're going to continue on in worship.
Come on, that's a message for somebody this morning. You're not alone. You're not alone. Sing it out. I am not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Yes, God, you're with me. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. We love your moment of reverent surrender, submitting yourself to Him, knowing His Holy Spirit is there, and within that you're not alone.
to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. They are open wide. In the parable of the lost son, it talks about how um, the son kind of rejected the dad and he went away and he, he lived it up and, and life went really bad. And he decided, man, I've got to go back to my dad. Like, I don't, I don't deserve this from him. But maybe he'll let me be a servant in his household. And so he comes back in his rags. And from a distance, the father sees him. And he runs to him with his arms open wide. And he, he scoops him up and he embraces him. And it's easy to read that as like what God is like for us the first time that we come to him. The first time that we go, oh, God, you're real, and I want a relationship with you, and I want to be a Christian, and his, his arms are open wide. But that actually, the, the Father's heart, his arms, always ready to embrace you, that is the constant position of God's heart towards each one of us. His arms are always open wide. Whatever we have done, however much we've ignored him or neglected him, Maybe we've blamed him for things that wasn't his fault. He endures mistreatment from us with patience and his arms are always open wide. And I just want to take a moment now. Why don't you close your eyes? If you're comfortable, how about you open your arms to say, I want to receive your embrace. Oh, Father, we thank you that you are always open to us. Lord, you never give us the cold shoulder. It doesn't matter if we haven't been speaking to you for years. You stand there ready and patient waiting for us to return to you. Lord, even if it's just been a bad morning, Lord, your arms are open wide. And God, we don't want to miss your embrace. And Father, today we open our heart to you again. We lean into your embrace of your love because we know, Father, that your love is the answer to everything that's hurting our heart. Lord, your presence is the answer to every battle that we are facing. Every difficulty we have, Lord, you want to carry. And so we open ourselves to you. We come to you today. We come to you, Lord, with nothing really to offer you with nothing really that's important or, or worthy of you. But God, it is your love for us that makes us worthy, God, and we come to you today. I feel like there are still some people in this place who are disqualifying themselves from that. You know, you might be thinking in your head, oh, yeah, but you don't know, Maya, what I did this week. You don't know how I spoke to my kids this morning. You don't, you don't know... What or I don't know enough. I gotta click I gotta clean my life up a bit more before I can really be embraced by God. That is utter rubbish. It's it's not true at all. The father embraced the son. He ran to him. He bestowed honor upon him. And all it takes is for us to go, I'm here to present ourselves towards him with nothing to offer. Isn't he good? Yeah? His love, like, I just don't get over it. 
the more I learn about the way He loves me, the more thrilled I am that I get to know about it and I get to live in it. It's so good. And it's so good to have you here with us today. Why don't you grab a seat? My name's Maya, if I haven't met you yet. It's great to see your smiling faces, you good-looking bunch of people. I hope you've had a fantastic week. It's exciting being in spring, isn't it? And heading to new seasons, and it's great. Sorry for all you people with allergies. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> how it is. We've got some cool things happening in the life of our church. Next weekend is Stronger Conference. Now, this is super exciting because we're getting international speakers, like fantastic conference being hosted here in Timaru, which doesn't happen a whole lot. So I want to really encourage you guys to make an investment in yourself to get there because it's an investment. Yes, you've got to sow a bit of time. You've got to sow a little bit of money for a registration, but it's worth it. You know, like when you buy, you know, you're buying a pair of shoes. You know, if you buy like really cheap shoes, you get what you pay for, you know, like, but if you're going to, I don't want shoes that last you and buy something a bit better, you know, you invest in yourself. And this is an investment not in just stuff. This is an investment in your very self. So I want to encourage you to make everything possible that you can get there. Yeah, we've got some people who in fact have volunteered to um, sponsor tickets for people who would like to go but just haven't got the money. I think it's only 60 bucks for redo, which is not that bad. But if you think, oh, I'd like to come, but I don't, I can't afford it. I know some people who have volunteered and would love to do that. So if you just come and chat to me and I will hook you up with a redo, okay? Make it happen. Awesome. I just want to um, just extend a, a thank you and a blessing upon you guys as we give. We don't take up um, tithes and offerings during the service anymore, but we have got ways um, to give, to contribute to the life of the church um, through a cash box in the foyer and through um, electronic giving because it's all electronic these days. Like, I hardly ever have cash. It's a miracle if I've got cash in my wallet. And if it is there, it doesn't last very long. Um, but if you'd like to find out more about ways to give, you can either chat to me or there's some information on the desk in the foyer um, which can hook you up with that. And I just want to bless you as you do that. I'm going to invite Pastor Dave to come up and share the word. We're going on with our series um, on the heartbeats. And today we're talking about... Number four, the R. Awesome. Let's give him a hand. Thanks, mate. I just felt that for some people here this morning, uh, you're at a decision point. It's like you're the phrase, you're, you're sitting on the fence. And uh, I just believe God wants, I don't know who you are and I don't know what exactly this, the decision is around, uh, whether it's, you know, as big as following Jesus or as, as small as, I don't know, just a career choice or a, maybe that's not that small for you. But I think that there's people who are sitting on the, on the fence uh, in a decision. And I think God would just say that the, the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord and uh, you can trust Him and seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and everything else will fall into place. And so if you're on that decision point, can I just say, ask God. I mean, that makes sense. It seems obvious, but trust Him. If you're, if it's, if you're seeking after His kingdom and His righteousness, His ways, then don't worry about the other stuff that has to fall into place, whether it's finances or, or uh, I don't know, relationships or other things in your life. Just trust Him. Um, there you go. Take that.
receive that wherever you're at. Uh, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. So as Maya said, we are in our series called Heart Beats, and we've looked at H, E, and A. Uh, so H is honor. We've talked about how we are uh, to honor God and to honor one another as people. Uh, and we've talked about E for excel. That's when we, uh, we give our best, our very best. We're not perfect, but we give our best. Um, for, for God and His purposes, and, uh, and we know that He will bless that. And A is for advance, so we advance forward as a church, but also as individuals, we grow. Um, God calls us to, to be moving forward and to not always be looking back, but to trust that He's taking us forward and His plans and His purposes. And today, we're up to R. Everybody go R like a pirate. R. You're up to the letter R. Uh, and R is for reach out. Just reach out and touch your neighbor. Reach out. That's good. Don't, don't stroke them inappropriately. Just, just reach out. So we know, as, if you're a Christian here today, you know that you're called to reach out into the world. We, kinda, we, we, we know that there's a sense that we are called to, to bring the gospel, bring the good news of Jesus. There's a, that we, we know that, and yet, Often, this is one of the, the hardest things in our Christian walk. And often it's something that we trip up on or we, or we find, um, we, we hesitate with. We, we find it difficult. And so today I really want to unpack a few reasons why that might be and kind of dispel some myths around that. And then I want to look at three simple ways that we can reach out into the world around us. And we're going to have, with those, we're going to have a, uh, an example from someone in one of you in the congregation, uh, don't worry, I've asked them already. I'm not going to pu pull you out. Uh, we're going to talk, have them share about how they have used these these ways to reach out into the world. So, so there's four reasons. I mean, there's probably more. You could probably think up some other, but I think four main reasons why we don't reach out. Uh, the first one is simply that we're afraid. We're afraid what people might think. They might think, "Oh, the, you're that crazy Christian person." You're that weirdo that talks about Jesus, and 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 often we, you know, we we're a bit afraid of that. Uh, oh, uh, oh, I've got a new got a new one of these, and I haven't uh, put it to uh, to don't um, disappear on me. Uh, so it's just disappeared. Do you want to know what happened the last one? I dropped it. It died. Yeah. Uh, um. So let me just. Uh, Yeah, hopefully it just doesn't disappear on us. Um, so when we think about, you know, why we might be afraid, often the, if, we, if we boil it down, the root reason is that we're, we're just a bit proud. It often comes down to pride. We're more, you know, pride is simply worrying more about ourselves than other people. Have you, have you, have you think pride is really thinking more about yourself than others? And if we were to be completely without pride then we would have no problem about sharing uh, about Jesus. It's just that we, we care more about how we appear to other people. But this is what Romans, and you can put that up on the screen, this is what Romans says in uh, chapter 6, verse 10 to 11. It says, The death he died, Jesus, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. So actually, the greatest sin that we can be dead to in our lives, I think, is pride. 
We need to be dead to our pride, dead to ourselves. You see, a dead person has no feelings. A dead person can't feel, and, and they don't know. You know, they, there's no pride in a dead person, you know? They, yeah, they're not aware. Okay, so we need to be dead to our own pride. And that, that can be hard, uh, but I think some of us just need to get that over ourselves a bit. Because this is a far more important deal than just, you know, your, how you, you, you perceive other people think about you. And if you find that hard, if you're still fearful, then can I lead you to uh, 1 John 4. It's in verse 16. It says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love was made, is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So what we need to do is when we're scared about sharing about Jesus or inviting someone to church is take that feeling to God and say, God, I'm fearful around this. Let your perfect love deal with that in my heart. Your perfect love drives out all fear. So I claim that promise and I, and I apply that to myself and allow him to drive out fear in your life. So that's the first reason. We, we, we're often afraid. Secondly, I think we often don't feel qualified to share about Jesus, to share the gospel, to reach out. We feel like we've got to have, um, you know, some more understanding. We've got to have a a degree in theology, or at least some training, or at least know how to share the gospel some way. That's rubbish. It really is. I've had people come along to church, and I've heard of people going to other people's churches who, who don't know Jesus, but they love the place so much, they go and tell their unchurched friends, and they bring them along. And yet they haven't given their hearts to Jesus yet themselves. But they already are reaching out. So you don't even have to be a Christian to, to reach out. You know, you just have to be a person with a mouth um, that, can, that, can, that can say stuff. You don't have to, there's no qualifications. That's, that's pretty unqualified. That's the epitome of unqualified to not even be a Christian, you would think. So, so what, are we, what are we scared of? What are we worried about? You don't have to have a whole lot of knowledge. In fact, sometimes a whole lot of knowledge can get in your way. You just need to have an enthusiasm, a passion to know that, wow, God's done something in me and I want the world to know. And, uh, you know, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is living in you. So you can have confidence that he will help you in those moments. So that's number two. We don't feel qualified. Well, you don't have to be qualified. Number three is that we don't want to be pushy. We don't want to come across as being that pushy person. And I guess this is kind of like we're afraid. Um, but I think... The motives around this are often, they're a bit mixed. Because actually we don't want to um, be pushy because we love the people that, we're, that we want to reach out to. And so we actually we don't want to drive them away. So our motives might be good. And yet there's also some fear mixed up in that as well, uh, if we're honest. And I think, I think we've got to just flip the way we think about this. And, we, and we've pr perhaps just got to invite God into the equation a bit more. I think, I think actually what we need to do is just simply ask God, God, what is the loving thing to do 
to reach this person? What is the loving thing to do in this situation? Because sometimes that will be to share about Jesus. Sometimes that will be to invite someone into any group or to church or to a space where, where God is. But sometimes it will just be to give that person a hug. Sometimes it will just be to, to sit with that person. Sometimes it will be to buy their petrol. I don't know, it can look different in different situations. I think sometimes we kind of get forced into the cookie cutter idea that we have to share the gospel for us to be loving someone and to be reaching them. Yes, the words of the gospel are powerful and there's a seed that, that needs to be sown. But actually, that, sometimes that's, there's not, it's not always the time to do that. Sometimes it's actually just the time to put your arm around someone and to, to, to sit with them and to encourage them. I think we need to, we need to just overcome that uh, idea that you know, we have to get the four points of the gospel out um, and, and it has to happen you know, this way. Our mandate is actually to love people. And we love people with the message of Jesus, but we love people in so many different ways. And so that's, that's a simple thing to pray is, is okay, God, how, how do you want me to love this person? What is the loving way to reach this person? Ask yourself that, and then step out in faith and do what you believe he's telling you to do. And if you're doing that with the right heart, a right motive towards God and towards that person, then, then that's cool. You've done what you need to do, and you're not responsible for their response to that. You know, they might reject that. They might be like, oh, don't tell me about your Jesus. I don't want to go to your church, whatever. That's okay. You have done what God has told you to do. The result is in God's hands. And you can trust them. And, and can I say, you should pray about it. Like, you know, if we think about the gospel as a seed, every seed, uh, it needs to be watered. It needs, the, the soil needs to be prepared. It needs, to, you know, so there are things that need to happen. And you can be, you, you can be, you know, preparing that ground and you can be, uh, sowing the seed, and you can also be praying that the, the enemy talks about the bird that will snatch away the seed. You can be praying that that doesn't happen. Because you know, there's an enemy who wants to take that seed, wants to take that, that good news in someone's life and, and snatch it away. So be praying about that. But yeah, don't, don't be worried about being pushy. If, if you're getting pushed around by that, then that's probably fear in your life. You just need to come back to the God of love and, and allow Him to do a work in you. The fourth reason I'd say, and this is, sadly, this is probably a lot of us as well, is that we are complacent. We're just a bit lazy. You don't have to put your hand up if you join me in that. But often we're like, oh, I'm comfortable. I'm good. You know, my life is well and, and my eternity is secure. And so I don't have too much to worry about. And we just get a bit selfish. That If we boil it down, it's just we're a bit selfish. And uh, I don't have an answer to you other than we just need to press into God and get His heart. The closer we are to Him, the, I believe, the more we'll be reaching out to the world around us. Because His heart is that none shall perish, that all shall know Him. And if we, if we get that heart, then we, yeah, we'll be reaching the world around us. So, there you go. I've dealt with all your excuses and mine. Uh, so, so how do we do it? What, what do we do to reach out? 
as I said, I, I've just got three very easy ways that we can reach the world around us. And the first one is simply to use what you have. Use what you have. There's a guy in the Bible called Levi, or his name is also Matthew, and, and he was a tax collector. He was, he was hated by the, uh, the Jews around him because he collected tax for the Romans, and, and he probably took a bit on the side, and so he was very disliked. But he has this encounter with Jesus, quite a brief one, but Jesus turns his life around. And he, he, he just has to tell people about this. But he doesn't have a, any real training. He's not a great orator. He's not, uh, you know, he doesn't run an e-group. He's not um, done anything significant. He, he's not like the Pharisees who know all this stuff. He, he really doesn't know what to do, except he knows how to do one thing, and that is throw a party. So that's what he does. He gets on Facebook Messenger and he invites all his mates and he chucks a few sausages on the barbie and he, and he just he, he opens the doors, cranks the music up and he has a party at his house. And, and we can read about it in Luke 5, 27 to 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet slash barbecue for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Matthew simply invites his mates to a party, and his mates meet, meet Jesus. It's pretty simple. He just used what he had. Well, he'd obviously had a bit of wealth because he'd probably been taking it uh, in a wrong way. But he just started with that. He's like, well, I've got a house. I've got some, I can throw a party. You don't have to have an awful lot. You just got to start with what you've got. Maybe you've got a home. You can open it to people. Maybe you're a good cook. Maybe you could feed some students. I'm sure they'll be appreciative. Uh, do you have do you have some skills? You know, I know a lot of you have skills. Lots of different sorts of skills. Car fixing skills. I'm not going to say nunchuck skills. Uh, you you could have cooking skills or um, sewing or baby minding. All sorts of things that you can use to reach the world around you. Your skills are very different to mine, and you can use them to reach your world. I can't. I can't sew. I can cook, but I, yeah, I would not be inviting people around to be eating my food. Uh, you know, I have a limited number of skills that I can use, but you have some skills. And don't feel like, oh, the only way I can share the gospel is if somebody gives me a microphone and I can have some talking skills. No. No, you can just open up your home. You can just serve somebody by helping them out around their house. You can just do what you've got. I was talking to Richie a while ago, and, and uh, you know his skill is he can drive a car, and he can drive out to his work, and so he does a carpool with some of his workmates, and in that space, he can share with them about Jesus. There you go. That's a base, pretty basic skill, but just using that in the proximity of, of you know allowing God into that space is a skill. I, I want to invite Jerry up. Jerry's going to share about 
uh, a skill that he's got. Thank you, Dave. Um, yes, I want to design a, uh, a, a Christian bumper sticker. Because next month, our little South African shop will, will have its first anniversary. And, uh, and, and the bumper sticker will read like this. The way to a man's heart is to his stomach. When you read the Bible, you, you realize that so many awesome things happen around food. Even Jesus' time around, the last time with his disciples was around food. But also, Dave was talking about the ordinary. It's using what you have. I don't have much. I don't have a qualification. But you know what? I was watching how my granddad made sausages and biltong. Even this morning, some came and said, wow, that biltong was amazing. And then last week, something happened. It was not South African. It's actually Norwegian slash Kiwi slash addict now. Because she made it public confessing that, Jerry, I will never eat other sausages in my life again. And, and for me, it's that, it's that thing of, what do you have? Yeah. We started this business a year ago because I've lost my job, because I was a builder, calcification, ACC doesn't cover it. And uh, I was saying, Lord, what now? God said, well, do something with what you have. And we decided we're going to start the South African shop, and today it's actually a hobby. But through that all, we have met people. And some of them are sitting here. You know, a month ago, those two young people walked with so many tongues into our shop. My wife said, invite them. She said, man, I want to do this for such a long time. I texted them and said, hey, Beatrice, you guys, Annika, come to this church. Come with us. And here they are, not just today, weeks after. I've met another couple. She's my hairdresser now. Also came to the shop and uh, she texted us one night, Marie, actually my wife, saying, where can we go? And she said, come with us. We're coming here. And sometimes we think that bringing people to church is going to change the world. But it's be the church. That's going to change the world. And you know what? I'm still going to have that bumper sticker. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Thank you, guys. Bless you, Jerry. Oh, you've won my heart. <laughs> that was for us, by the way, not just, just for you. <laughs> it's a large sausage. You're not going to eat all that by yourself. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, fantastic. Jerry just using his shop. Something that, you know, he can, he can, it's a very practical way to reach the world around him. There are things in your life you can use. Just use what you have. My second point, the way we can reach our world is you can invite someone to church. Seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? But um, John, the book of John tells a powerful story about a woman who's, she's ex experienced a lot in her life and she has an encounter with Jesus. And uh, he offers her living water, and, and he tells her about her life, and she's just blown away. And, and in John 4, 27, we pick it up. It says, just then, his disciples, Jesus' disciples, returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one, uh, no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, 
the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. She wasn't even sure. She was like, could he be the Messiah? Well, I don't know, but we should come and check him out. You know, she didn't, she didn't have any great skills. She didn't memorize a script. She didn't have any great qualifications. She didn't, you know, have great speaking skills. She just invited the people that she knew into a space that Jesus was. That's not hard. You know, we know God is everywhere. We know that he's omnipresent. And he can be in your house, and he can be in your workplace, and he can be everywhere. But we know that when, when we as a church come together, he dwells powerfully in this place. And there's a faith in us that, that, that God responds to. And, and this is a great place where people can meet. They can encounter Jesus. I think, you know, if we, if we were to think about, you know, let's say I... I said, "Hey, I've um, I've met Brad Pitt, and uh, and I could explain to you all about Brad Pitt, what he looks like, and and how he talks, and what we talked about, and all this stuff. And by the way, I haven't met Brad Pitt, in case you're wondering. And I could tell you all about it. But how many of you know there's a big difference between that and me introducing you to Brad Pitt? <laughs> that was a bit too stronger. Uh, yeah, from the front row, but yeah." <laughs> How many of you know there's a difference here? Well, I tell you what, I've met someone far cooler than Brad Pitt, and I can invite you to a party that he's at every week. See, inviting, inviting people to church is just like saying, come to a party that Brad Pitt is at, except it's Jesus. <laughs> come to a party that Jesus is at, and, and you'll, meet, you'll meet someone in that space. We, we have this false thinking that we have to convince people of the objective truth of the gospel. And we have to kind of convince them that, you know, uh, the resurrection happened and, and this is what, and all this stuff. Now, I don't mind apologetics, but actually, Jesus says, I am the truth. It's, it's him. It's the person of Jesus. And actually, people don't need to know about the tr truth. They need to meet the person of the truth. And they will meet him when they come into this place. So actually, it's not about telling. You can't argue someone into the kingdom of God. You can't convince them. Actually, they have to have an encounter. They have to meet him, and then they'll know. I just want to invite Nat up, and she's going to share about uh, how she's invited Hi, everyone. Um, I, well, at the beginning of the year, I was challenged by Dave, as the leadership team was, to start inviting people and think about ways we could, um, yeah, get more people to church um, so that they could meet Jesus, obviously. And I decided to use what I love to be how I love. And that's something that's been a little mantra of mine for a long time. So, you know, using what you know, it's kind of using what you love to be how you love other people. And so I decided something, um, an opportunity came up for me to join a book club with some other young adults in Timaru. And I enjoy reading. So I thought, yeah, I'll give that a go and sort of see if I can invite anyone through that. 
And I was trying to be really intentional about meeting people from outside of my circle who aren't already Christian, because I think sometimes I just hang out with other Christians, um, and I can't really minister the gospel to those people. So I decided to join this book club, and you know, I knew someone um, in the book club already from a friend, sort of a friend of a friend, and just really, you know, when you meet someone so cool, and you're just like, oh, I'd really love to hang out with that person more, and I just want to be friends with them. Well, I feel like this person is that person to me. And um, so we caught up and got chatting, and she kind of opened her heart to me about some of the stuff that she's going through, and I was like, oh, cool. And somehow we talked about the fact that I go to church, and I said, well, if you ever want to come along, just let me know, or something along those lines, I think. And um, I really started praying for her from that time forward, and about some of the things she shared with me, and also that she would come and get saved. And um, long story short, she has come and responded, and it's just awesome um, that, you know, I feel like, who am I? I just, I'm not that great at like talking to people. I don't feel like I'm that charismatic or anything, but it's just something small that I could do um, that enabled that invitation to happen. So yeah, just really encourage you to get inviting people. Thanks, Nat. That's fantastic. Because one invitation could be all it takes. I mean, it might take multiple invitations because some people are resistant. But, you know, you could be the, the catalyst for change in someone's heart, in someone's life. Uh, and actually, I believe that the gospel, the heart of God is, is just one big invitation. God is just inviting us into relationship all the time. And, and actually, if we're to reflect the heart of God, we're to be inv invitational people, not just to church. But invite people out for a coffee. Invite people to your home. Invite people out for a bike ride. Invite people out uh, to do things. The Bible is one big invitation. And the thing is that God doesn't force anyone to come. But He's always inviting. He's always inviting. Let's be inviting people into that space. Because there's power in, in an invitation. There really is. And even if people say no, there's still a sense that, hey, they want me to come because they want me in that space. They want me in their world. There, there is a, you know, no, people, don't, people don't get invited to places and then feel stink about themselves because they've been invited, do they? They're like, oh, somebody wants me present. That's good. So be inviting people. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're to be the soul of the the earth, the, the light of the world. And I think just inviting people is such an easy way for us to do that. So that's the second way, is just to invite. And the third way that we can reach out into the world around us is to share our story. We can share our story. We all have a story about what God has done in our lives. There's a story in John uh, chapter 9. It's a great story. Jesus heals a blind man. He's been blind from birth. And he gets miraculously healed, and, uh, and he, you know, the people around him can't believe it. They're like, what's going on? And, so, and the Pharisees, the, the religious people of the time, they hear about it, and they're like, they grill his parents. They bring his parents in, and they're like, what? Is this your son? Who healed him? How is he healed? Is this? And they're like, well, we don't know. I mean, he's, he's definitely our son, and yeah, he was blind, but now we can see. Uh, and, and, and it goes on, and, 
Um, we pick it up in verse 24. They're really grilling this guy. And a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. Talking about Jesus. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. You see, you can't refute the facts of this man's story. The man simply shares what Jesus has done in his life. And they can't argue with that. He just puts it plain and simply. It goes on in verse 26. Then they asked him, what, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already, and you did not listen. Why, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I love this. I love it because the, the Pharisees are not at all interested in becoming Jesus' disciples. They want to take Jesus down. But this guy, just in his naivety, just like, man, they're asking me all about this Jesus guy. So I'm going to tell them, do you want to become his disciples? But just, just, just simply put, he just tells what Jesus done, has done in his life. Again, it's about that, that objective truth that people want. When they meet Jesus, they will find the truth. And when you've met Jesus, then you can tell people about that. You can tell people how you have met him and what he has done for you. You see, I can declare you know, to someone, Jesus heals. And they can argue with that. But if I say, hey, I had this sore knee and someone prayed for me and it's healed, it's pretty hard to argue with that. It's pretty hard to go, oh, no, it's not. I mean, they might be thinking, uh, oh, yeah, wishful thinking, whatever. But actually, there's power in that story. Because for all the facts, you know, just as much as we like facts as, as humans, actually, we're, we're designed to engage with story. Our lives are a story. God's Bible is not a book of facts. It's a book of stories. Yeah, there's some facts in there, but God is a God of narrative, a story. And when you can tell a story about what God has done in your life, there's a power in that. There's a connection that happens around that story that, that people will latch onto. And whether they cognitively reason it out, how you got healed or how God did that thing in your life, that story touches them. That story reaches them. And, and it, can, it can shift something in their lives. I was... Uh, I work as a physio and, and I job share with another lady and she's, um, she's got, um, her eldest daughter is away at university and she was just sharing with me about, you know, I was asking her how she was going and, and she's a very bright, attractive, uh, talented, um, seemingly confident young woman and yet my workmate was saying, oh, she's really struggling just with her identity and, and who she is and, and, uh, and I could just say, Oh, wow. I mean, it sounds like she needs to find out who she is in God first. And I could just share it from my own life how when I've struggled with insecurity, I, I just know who God is in my life. I know who He calls me to be beyond what I achieve at university or in my career or, or what I can do. God loves me for who I am, and I find my security and my, my self-worth in that. And I shared with her about that, and she was just like, oh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's what she needs. And she started thinking about how she could 
get her into church because they've got a, a Catholic background. And, um, and so just me sharing about what God had done in my life can touch someone else's life. I want to invite Maya up. I know she's got uh, a story she wants to share around that. Thanks. Um, yeah, like Dave said, I always used to struggle with this idea of talking to you about God because I felt like it was, oh, I've got to bring up this thing that you don't really want to hear about. I've got to convince you about God and, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, just learning that, oh, I actually just got to share what God's doing in my life is what it's about. I remember one of my flatmates um, when I lived back in Dunedin, and every Sunday, she wasn't a Christian, I didn't say it was a Christian, so every Sunday she would ask me in the afternoon, oh, how was church today? And I never told her how church was because I like had this box or I didn't, I don't know what it was. I just tell her about, oh I, oh, I saw so-and-so, this person that she knew and we talked about this and never said, oh, this is what God is doing in my life. I think part of it was that I felt like I didn't have that good a story. Like, you know, I wasn't saved from some rough life or, you know, like it was pretty much fine, you know, whatever. But I understanding actually oh, I can just say this is what God is doing for me. And so now when I have opportunities, when I see opportunities, when I make opportunities to talk to people about God, it's just about sharing what God has done for me. And there's no pressure on me to convince that person. And that's like totally my uh, my strategy. Sounds a little bit like you're being really, I don't know, strategic. Um, but that is what it is. Like I've made a new friend that God said, oh, hey, you should, should go up hang out with that person and we've been for one walk now and we spent a lot of that that walk she told me a bit of her story a bit of her life and I've done enough Facebook stalking of her to know that she is interested in spiritual things and so next week we're going for another walk and the plan is and how it works is you just say oh this is what God has been doing and you just ask so have you been to church before you know she knows that my husband's a pastor and you just kind of you can get into that and you just when you say oh this is what God has been doing in my life it, people can't refute it, and it doesn't always have to be like, oh, well, I don't have a miraculous healing to talk about, but this is some of the internal progress that I've been making. I used to really struggle with this fear, or I used to be always um, getting anxious about these things, but then God has showed me this, and I'm just so much happier and more joyful. Or that is the stuff that makes someone go, oh, I want, I want some of that. I want some of that, and you're not, just like um, Dave said, you're not convincing someone of the truth, and it's not... Just for me, the anxiety around it has gone because I used to be so anxious that I wouldn't say anything. And when you did, you just work yourself up to it. But just it's such a natural thing. When I'm going for a walk with Tanya, I say, how's your week been? Well, this has been happening. And on church on Sunday, this is what I'm going on. Like, you just talk about it. And I'm looking forward to seeing the fruit of having shared that story with her and what it's going to um, ignite in her for a desire to connect with God. That's cool. Something I love, like, just about these ideas is that they, they, they kind of intertwine. It's not like um, there's, there's one way, you know, you use what you have, you invite people into spaces where Jesus is, and you also share about what he's done in your life. Uh, and those are all just very natural things um, that we, and simple things that we can do. I'll just invite uh, Keys up. Um, we don't have to have, and I think we often think, we have to have this crazy rags to riches, uh, say from murder and drugs and prison uh, kind of testimony um, for it to be powerful. You, you don't. You just need to tell the story of what God has done in your world. And I think it's, it's twofold. You need to have a, an up-to-date kind of what God is doing now. 
But also, it's good to know and, and to have thought through your story of what God did for you when you first came to know Him. Because there's power in that, uh, in that story. If I think about uh, my story, you know, I, um, I grew up going to a, well, let's be honest, a pretty boring church, actually. Uh, it was. I didn't want to be there. My parents dragged me along, and as soon as I could get out, I did. And I didn't go anywhere for a while. And then as a teenager, I, I started going to a youth group uh, just because a friend invited me. And I had heaps of fun in that space. And also there were some great leaders, youth group leaders, who loved me and just welcomed me in. And, uh, but in that space, I, I was very skeptical about God, about Christianity. Uh, I'm, my father's a, a mechanical engineer. My brother's a mechanical engineer. Um, there's a lot of analytical thinking that goes on in my family, and I, and I inherited a bit of that. And so there's a very, um, you know, if I can't reason something out, then uh, I'm, I'm skeptical around it. And so I, I believed in a kind of higher being of some sort, but this Jesus guy, I didn't know about. I wasn't sure on. And it, and it took me a number of years, actually, to, to actually come around. And I remember the moment that I did give my life uh, to God. I was in Tekapo at the military camp. I was on a Southern Lakes Harvest camp. Uh, I remember I was 16, going on 17. Uh, and um, I was literally going on 17. And uh, I remember sitting, we were sitting on hay bales because we were in this big hangar this big open space and the seats were just hay bales uh, and this lady um, Christine Kane guest speaker was uh, was sharing the gospel and I just remember in that moment thinking I don't care what other people think and responding to Jesus and and I just I remember I don't remember much more other than being prayed for by one of my youth group leaders afterwards but I know that for the next week after that I was just on cloud nine. I was just, I was buzzing. And it wasn't just like a post-camp kind of buzz. There was something had changed inside for me. And, and there was a peace that I hadn't had as an insecure teenager. There was a joy in my life. There was a hope for my future. There was, there was a love that God had placed in me. And I, I, to this day, I, I, I just remember that, that, that sense that something had, had shifted in my world and I was never going to be the same again that's a powerful story simply because that's my story about what God has done in my life when I met the person of Jesus you can share people with people about that why, why don't you stand to your feet in this moment actually I just I really get a sense that for some of you here now's the time that you can meet Jesus Now's the time that you can go beyond knowing about God and knowing Him. Because up until that point, I kind of knew about God. I knew some stories from the Bible and I knew about this Jesus, but I hadn't met Him. When you meet the person of Jesus, all your reasoning and your excuses fall away because there's an encounter with the Most High God. Jesus said of himself, I, I am the way. He's the way to the Father. He's the truth. 
There's no other higher truth than Him. And He's the life, not a life, but the life, the greatest life you can live is in Jesus. But to do that, you need to encounter Him. You need to open your life to Him. You need to move from knowing about Him to to knowing Him. So just with every eye closed and head bowed in this place, if you're here this morning and perhaps you've heard about Jesus or you've heard about God, but you haven't met Him, we, we know God through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you would like to, to meet God, whether it's for the first time or or you want to come back into a relationship with Him. I just invite you right now to lift up your hand. I'll see it, and you can put it down. And then we'll pray a prayer together. And I tell you, you will encounter the Father God through His Son, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who here wants to do that? You'll know who you are because there's a battle right on going right on right now inside your heart. There's something you're feeling like, oh, I feel like I should respond, but I've got all these reasons. Put your reasons aside and meet the person of Jesus in this moment. Anybody here wants to do that? I'll give you a moment because this is the most important decision of your life. More important than your career, more important than your who you marry or where you live whether you know the God of all creation. Anybody here wants to do that? Okay, I'm not seeing any hands, so you can look up at me. Hey, church. Oh, there was a hand, was there? Someone's pointing, there's a hand down there. Oh, Megan, awesome. Good on you, Megan. I'll catch up with you afterwards. I just want to say in this, in this moment, it's easy, actually, to reach out into the world around us. We've made it hard in our own minds because we've got caught up in overthinking it and fear and in pride. When we put those things aside, it's actually easy. We just use what we have. We just invite people into a space where He is, where God is, and we just tell our story. And, and in, in doing that, we allow space for God to speak in and through us. I know that there are people in your world who are far from God, but close to you. I, I want you just in this moment to think of one or two people who are close to you, but far from God. And right now, we're going to pray for them. We're going we're to believe together. And actually, I, wanna, I want you to ask God for a strategy, whether it's one of those things or just a way to connect with that person this week, that you can draw them a step closer to knowing Him. Can we do that? You got someone in your mind? Let, let's pray together. Father, we thank You for these people who we love, who are in our world, who are close to us in some way, but are far from You. And Lord, we ask right now, You would give us the, the plan. You would give us the way to reach them, Lord. Whether it, Whatever skill it is that we have that can connect with them, Lord. What, what, whatever story in our lives we can we can connect with or, or just inviting them into a space that we have, whether it's out for a coffee or to e-group or to church, God, show us. And Lord, we pray for them that they will know the truth that we know, 
they will know the Jesus that we have met. They will, they will find the life and the hope and the goodness that we have in you, Jesus. We pray for them, God, in your name. Amen. Awesome. Bless you, church. Great. We're going to finish with a song. So let's stretch out, get ready to praise God.
church, it's a highlight of my week to praise God with you guys. It really is. Awesome. Hey, we've got coffee and tea in the foyer. Stick around and get to know someone.